I'm reading from the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Kathy, thanks so much for reading. Uh, as we come to God's word, let's, let's pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have you've spoken to us as we've heard your word read to us. Thank you that you've spoken to us. Pray that by your spirit we'd have ears ready to listen, to continue to listen to you, and soft hearts ready to, to change and to trust you more. Pray that we'd see the beauty of Jesus I pray that you'd cause us to adore him more. In his name we pray. Amen. Got too many things here. Last Christmas. That was a bit of a roller coaster ride, wasn't it, last Christmas? Um, did, you, did you miss out last Christmas? I wonder if you felt like you missed out last Christmas. Uh, imagine many of us felt, felt like we missed out in some way. Uh, maybe you missed out on seeing family. Uh, Abby and I certainly missed out on seeing family. Perhaps you, you missed eating together. Maybe, maybe last year was the first year you didn't have turkey on Christmas Day. Uh, you might have missed out on opening your presents. Did you get to open all your presents on Christmas Day? Some of, your, some of my presents were in different parts of the country. Um, I didn't get to open them on Christmas Day. Maybe you missed out in that way. It's, a, it's such a dreadful feeling, missing out, isn't it? It's, it's just awful. Uh, let me tell you a story about how I, um, how I missed out recently. Um, at the start of 2020, Abby and I had some tickets to, to go and see a band that we really like. 
Um, the gig had to be postponed, not once, not twice, but three times it was postponed. Uh, and eventually they played their, their gig in September this year. But I'm pretty sure they didn't actually tell me that they were playing that gig. Um, so I missed out. Me and Abby didn't get to go and see uh, this band. I mean, that's just a minor example of missing out. But it's, it's a bad feeling, isn't it? Missing out. It just, just feels horrible. Um, I want to ask you, how about this Christmas? I wonder if you might miss out this Christmas. Not, I'm not talking about food or family or presents. But could you be missing out on the greatest event ever to happen? Could you miss out on the greatest event ever? In our Bible passage today, we see one of the greatest events ever to happen. And it happened on the very first Christmas day. And we'll see, it's actually possible for us to miss out on that in some way. Now, you've heard about Matt Baker. He always has an apple when he preaches a sermon. Well, I'll, I've got a, an onion today. Um, maybe that's my new thing. Um, here's an onion. Ogres are like onions. If you've ever seen Shrek, you know that. Ogres are like onions. And I want to say, so is John chapter 1. It's a little bit like an onion. If you cut an onion open, what's it got? It's got concentric circles, hasn't it? It's got those, got those rings. Um, here's a picture on the screen. This is a little bit what I think is John chapter 1 is like. Um, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see that God has a son. He was seen by witnesses, so believe and join the family. That's what we're going to see this evening. God has a son seen by witnesses, so believe and join the family. I'm going to get rid of this onion. They can have it for <laughs> legacy Christmas meal. There you go. That's what we're going to see. Um, so we're going to start by looking at God has a son. Uh, now, I think John was actually quite proud of himself when he wrote these verses, um, not just because it's structured like an onion, but um, he's, he's drawing from Genesis chapter 1, which is the very first chapter of the Bible. Um, maybe you know the Bible starts with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the Bible starts. This is how John starts. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John introduces us to the word. Uh, we all know what, what words do, don't we? Words, they communicate things. Take a look at me. If you look at me, and I'm silent, you can work out, you can work out a few things about me just by looking at me. Um, you can see I've got brown hair, I've got blue eyes, I'm about five foot eight and a half on a good day. Um, but if you wanted to know how old I was, you, could, you might be able to have a guess. You could probably have a good guess at how old I am. Maybe you'd get it right. Maybe you'd get it wrong. But the best way to find out something about me would be if I told you. If I told you I'm 29 years old, then you would know, wouldn't you? With my words, I communicate to you something about myself. I mean, the same applies even more if, uh, if you're trying to read my thoughts or my motives. You wouldn't be able to do that just by looking, would you? But if I told you, if I used my words, I'd be able to communicate them to you. Words are the way to get the most reliable information. The same is true when it comes to God. We can learn something about God just by looking around, looking at what he's made, for example, looking at creation. 
But the most reliable information would be if God spoke, if we heard God's words. But here in John 1, have a look. We're talking about the word. This isn't just something abstract. The word is a person. He's with God. In fact, he is God. He's there at the beginning when all things are being created. He's actually integrally involved in the process. And I think this is, this is big news. For, for people who knew something about God, or knew something about the creation account in Genesis 1, this could seem a bit confusing, I think. This is a bit unexpected. Who is this person? I don't remember him in, in Genesis chapter 1. Well, notice he's, he's not named until right at the end. John keeps his readers hanging. Uh, take a look at the corresponding verses and the other, the other side of the onion that we're peeling here. Um, take a look at verse 16. Have a look at it if you've got it open. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest, closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Finally, we're given a name for this word, Jesus Christ. That's who John is talking about here. This isn't just some random guy. This is, this is God's Son, God's one and only Son. He's in the closest relationship possible with God the Father. This fact that God's got a son, the fact that God's got a son, is like a depth charge into the minds of people who think they know something about God. Maybe the original readers who read John thought they knew something about God. Maybe you think you know something about God. Sometimes if I'm, I'm chatting to someone and they say to me, oh, I, I don't believe in God, um, sometimes I might ask them to describe the God that they don't believe in. And what do they, what do they describe God as? Well, sometimes... They describe God as being distant or uninterested or maybe even worse. Maybe they describe God as, as being selfish or lonely or uh, maybe they describe God as being needy. Well, it's, it's with joy that I can say that I don't believe in that God either. And hopefully we can go from there to talk about how God reveals himself in Jesus. Before God is just, um, just creator, He's the Father, loving his Son in the fellowship of the Spirit. That's what Christians believe. God isn't lonely or selfish or needy. God isn't bored. He's the eternally loving community of Father, Son, and Spirit. And because God is a loving community, he delights in sharing that love with his creatures, the things that he's made. He shares himself with us. By sending Jesus, he brings life, light, grace, truth, and knowledge. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, that surely, surely, Lynn, this is, is too good to be true. How, how can I know this for sure? Making some pretty big claims there. This all seems so distant from us. It seems in another time or another reality. How can, how can I be so sure that that's true? Well, take a look at what John tells us next. God has a son seen by witnesses. God has a son, and he was seen by witnesses. John, the guy who wrote this account of Jesus' life, says that you really can believe it. This is not too good to be true. You can believe it because God's son was seen by witnesses. Now, there's, there's two witnesses, and a little bit confusingly, they're both called John. There's two witnesses, and they're both called John. Have a look at verse 6. 
This is what verse 6 says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So if this was a court case, then John, this John, as we know him, John the Baptist, John the Baptist is being called as a witness. He's a witness, and he testifies. He witnessed Jesus. And you see that in verse 15 as well. John, verse 15 says, John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. So John the Baptist is the first witness who's testifying to Jesus. And there's a second witness, also called John. And we know this John as John the Evangelist, or the guy who wrote this gospel. Incidentally, uh, as a little side note, if you, were, if you were making this up, why would you call both of those people John? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, funnily enough, John was a popular name in the area 2,000 years ago. Um, so it checks out. It checks out that there's more than one John. Um, so we can trust that what's being written is reliable. Uh, John's a reliable witness. Anyway, see, see what John's testimony is. This is the other John in verse 9. He says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Or verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John's seen it. He witnessed it. God has a son. He became flesh. He chose to live here with us. The Son of God became a man, and John the Evangelist was a witness. He tells us what he saw so that we can believe it. But you say, well, I've not seen him. I've not seen him. You might say that. I've not seen Jesus. Surely seeing is believing, right? Seeing is believing, right? How can I possibly believe that then? Well, firstly, I'm sure you don't live your life uh, as if seeing is believing. Um, almost everything that we know has been told to us by someone else rather than actually seeing it. And there's lots of things that we believe that uh, we haven't seen, or we just can't see. But also, John totally expects this. He, he expects people to say, surely seeing is believing. Um, turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 20. Grab a Bible. Just, so we're going from chapter 1 to chapter 20. This is the end of John's gospel. Throughout his gospel, John's, John's written down a lot of totally amazing things about Jesus. Um, throughout chapters 1 all the way through to 20. And at the end, you might know the story. Jesus is killed. And then Jesus rises again from the dead. And there's multiple witnesses of that too. Jesus appears to his disciples, proving to them that he really is alive. And there's, there's this one guy, he's called Thomas. And Thomas wasn't there the first time that Jesus appeared, and he missed, he missed seeing Jesus. So Thomas says, unless I see Jesus, unless I touch Jesus, I'm not going to believe. Jesus turns up, Thomas does believe. So it seems like seeing is believing, doesn't it? Seems like seeing is believing. But then John, John writes this. Have a look at verse 29 of chapter 20. This is what John writes. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's good news. You don't have to see Jesus with your eyes to believe him. John says he's written it all down so that you can believe. What, what you need is all right here in John's gospel. So have you read it? Have you read the gospel? Have you read John's gospel? I encourage you to give it a read for yourself. It could change your life this Christmas. We've only read the beginning of the story today, so I encourage you to read on. Or read John's Gospel with a friend. That's absolutely a great thing to do, isn't it? Um, You can chat and you can find out more about Jesus together. Um, If you've never read John's Gospel before and want to read it with someone, um, come and speak to me afterwards. I'll read it with you, or I'll find someone even better to read it with you. Um, Here at St. John's, we love these little books called Word One-to-One. This is Word One-to-One. We've got lots of copies. And basically, it takes you step by step through all of John's gospel. And it's a great way to discover Jesus for yourself or with a friend. Um, maybe you've been praying for someone to come to know Jesus. You've been praying for someone to come to know Jesus. Well, invite them to read a bit of John's gospel with you using Word One to One. As we read eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, we can, we can learn to trust him ourselves. Are you prepared to do that with your friends, your family, your neighbors this Christmas? God might just use that to open their eyes to see him and see his son, Jesus. And you know what else is amazing? This is amazing as well. God God continually shows us Jesus in his word. So keep reading it. Keep reading it. God has a son and he's been seen by witnesses. God has a son seen by witnesses and finally... Believe and join the family. God has a son seen by witnesses, so believe and join the family. Jesus tells, uh, John tells us that Jesus didn't just come into this world to be seen. He came to do something much more than that, more than just be seen. He actually came to invite us to join his family. And John really doesn't want us to miss out on that, because it is possible to miss out on that. Have a look at verse 10 with me. This is back in John chapter 1, verse 10. This is what John says. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. It's possible to miss out on the greatest event in history. John tells us exactly that. Jesus made the world, but the world rejected him. Jesus came to his own people, but his own rejected him. How many people every Christmas miss out on celebrating the coming of Jesus, the Son of God? But we don't have to miss out. This is the good news. We don't have to miss out. Keep reading, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. God has a son, and we can be adopted into the family too. That's precisely why Jesus came. So that God might adopt us as his children. What a thought. What a thought that we could be adopted by God. My favorite author puts it this way. He says, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. The son of God became a man to enable men and women to become sons and daughters of God. You see, see John, doesn't, John doesn't say that we're automatically God's children. 
In fact, the Bible says we've all turned our backs on God. We've rebelled against him. That's what the Bible calls sin. Or to put it another way, we're, we're in darkness. And that's precisely why God sends his son Jesus into the world to be the light of life so that through Jesus we might be adopted into the family. Jesus came to take our sin on himself and to bear all the dreadful consequences of our sin so that we don't have to. And John tells us what we have to do. See it in verse 12. Believe. He tells us we have to believe. So believe. What does it mean to believe Jesus, though? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, it's not, it's not just agreeing that he existed. It's more than that. It's about, it's about trusting him, trusting Jesus, relying on Jesus. I, personally, I've always, always known that Jesus existed. Um, but I haven't always been a Christian. I grew up going to church with my mum and my, my two older brothers, and I heard the Bible stories I heard about Jesus. I learned about him. But I would say it wasn't until I was 16 years old, that's when I became a Christian, that's what I would say. Um, a year earlier, so when I was 15 years old, um, I had this feeling, I knew I wasn't right with God. Uh, I thought, God's perfect, and I'm not perfect. Uh, I knew I needed to do something I needed to do something about it. But I, at that point, misunderstood what God wanted. I thought God wanted me just to be a better person. So that's what I did. I tried really hard to be a better person um, in lots of different ways. And within a year, well, within a few weeks, actually, I, <laughs> I realized that just wasn't working. It wasn't working. I couldn't, I couldn't live up to God's perfect standards. It wasn't until a year later that I believe God opened my eyes. Something clicked. I understood the good news. Jesus lived a perfect life for me. Jesus had died in my place for the wrongs that I had done. It was when I was 16 that I first trusted Jesus. I stopped relying on what I can do and started relying on what Jesus had already done for me. Christianity is not about do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that. It's about what Jesus has done. So it's not just about believing Jesus existed, but also believing what, what Jesus said about himself and, and what he came to do. Or to put it another way, it's not just Christmas, it's also Easter. Jesus was born at Christmas, but he died at Easter. He lived the perfect life that we, we could never live. And then he died on a cross, the death that we deserve to die. He died as a sacrifice for all the ways that, that we've rejected God. All, all I'm bringing to the table is my sin. And as Jesus died on the cross, he offered his life on my behalf. And then he rose from the dead to prove it. And if I believe, if I, if I trust, if I rely upon him, then I'm adopted into God's family forever. I no longer have to fear the, the dreadful consequences of rejecting God. Instead, God adopts me into his family. And that means I'm forgiven. But more than that, I also get an inheritance as a child of God. I get to live with him forever. <laughs> what good news this is. What good news. And that's what John doesn't want us to miss out on. Don't miss out on the greatest event of history. So as we finish, we've seen God has a son, seen by witnesses. So believe and join the family. Believe and join the family. If you want to, if you want to join God's family... Put your trust in Jesus. And if you are trusting Jesus, 
Know that you're, you're not just tolerated by God. It's not like God just puts up with you. No, God loves you as his child. You're part of the family. What good news. Let's pray together as we finish. Father, we thank you so much that you would send Jesus to us. Thank you that it's not too good to be true. We really can believe it. Thank you so much for John's gospel, being a reliable witness to Jesus. Pray that we would trust Jesus, that we'd rely upon him and not on ourselves or or anything else. Thank you for the good news that you'd adopt us as your children. Pray that we wouldn't miss out on that. We pray for our, our friends and family that we're thinking of. Pray that they wouldn't miss out on that. That you'd show them Jesus and they trust in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.